0: Marie, host of the Building Abundant Success series, our prime-time mastermind that promotes empowered, focused, decisive action and inspired outcome. It's Earth Month, and we're talking in our theme today about global sustainability. I found out about a great organization called Teens Turning Green, and how they teach about conscious lifestyle choices, environmental education, as well as global sustainability. And everything we do, everything we consume can be done in a more green, eco-friendly way. I was able to talk to the co-founder of Teens Turning Green, Erin Schrody. Erin Schrody is an eco-Renaissance woman. She was raised this way from a child, and she goes all over the world. In fact, when I caught up with her at an airport in Dallas, Texas, She was on a well-deserved break. Erin is still a student at New York University, and she'll be graduating next month. So congratulations, Erin. You've seen her featured in Vanity Fair, Teen Vogue, Seventeen Magazine, on ABC, the BBC, CNN, the Huffington Post, just to name a few. And you can find out more information on Erin by going to her website, erinschrudey.com. And you can find out more about Teens Turning Green on Facebook and Twitter. Teens Turning Green. Let's find out more about it. Hey, Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I know you're in an airport somewhere. Where are you at? I'm actually in Dallas,
1: Texas right now. I've been on the go most of this month where... Um, doing a cross-country college road tour with Teens Turning Green. So it's been a ball, but lots of travel.
0: Awesome. I'm glad to have you here to talk about the ECHO movement, and I wanted to talk to you about your background. Tell the audience who you are, what you do, and how you got into this.
1: Absolutely. So I'm Erin Schrody, and I'm the co-founder of a nonprofit called Teens Turning Green and an all-around green girl, I like to say. Um, I co-founded this nonprofit eight years ago in January of 2005, really spurred um, by two main factors. One is my mother, and the other is the um, location that I grew up. So I was born and raised in Northern California, hotbed for eco-activity, I would say, um, by a mother who, when she was pregnant with me, read a book called Diet for a Poison Planet that completely changed her outlook on the world and how she curated the space into which I was born. And that was the safest, healthiest environment she could possibly create in terms of products and practices and lifestyle. And I grew up with that being my norm, with carpooling, with farmer's markets, with glass water bottles, with lemon and vinegar to clean the home. And I love that. This was what I thought of as, you know, a smart, responsible way to live. And Marin County, um, during the 90s, cancer rates shot up. And in 2002, my mom went to a meeting with a friend who just finished chemo. Said uh, The supervisor said, breast cancer rates have risen 60% in nine years. We have the highest prostate, breast, and melanoma rates in the world. We don't know why, and we don't have the money to do any research. And my mom was appalled by that and got together a group of volunteers to do a door to door walk, um, hundred and fifty thousand households on one day to say why. They went and did a whole bunch of studies with UCSF, the epidemiology department, mapping and nothing correlated. And I, I sat there as a young girl, thirteen years old, go or you know, at the time eleven, but by two thousand five I was thirteen, going, Why? Why the cancer rate so high? What is assaulting our health? What is assaulting our environment? And a study came out linking the ingredients in personal care products to cancer, birth effects and reproductive harm. And that was the moment when I said, okay, this is something my peers can attach to. This is something that I as a 13-year-old. This isn't melting polarized caps. This isn't having to solar panel your home. This is switching your lipstick. And we mm-hmm. organized the first meeting in January 2005 with about 100. I was in eighth grade, but mostly high school girls, and everybody's response is the same. It was that universal outrage. No one's protecting our health and well-being. What do you mean, and how can we take action?
0: Now, that sounds awesome. You grew up in California, and that is really a uh, really a hotbed of uh, change out there in terms of the ECHO movement. Now, when you were a teen, I'm sure you wanted to partake in or you know, have a basic life like everyone else. How did you and your peers adapt to some of the, you know, know, growing up, whether it be makeup and fashion and, you know, really activities, your whole lifestyle, you said you grew up like this. What is it that you really wanted to do that maybe you felt you couldn't or that you even changed?
1: Yeah, for me, I never... I never felt sort of deprived or left out, and I think that was because with Teens Turning Green, what we did was to sort of shift everything, you know, put it through an eco-filter, put it through a green lens, and the idea, I think prom is a perfect example, sort of that apex of this beauty and fashion that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. that we created... Project Green Prom, and said, how can we make this day stand for something more so that you can still get, we call it green glitz and glam. The first types of events we did were green spas, where we actually had estheticians and makeup artists, professional ones, doing makeup application and skincare um services on young women, on teens, in at schools, in malls, in local venues. And that was fun because everybody wants that. And if it's, you know, eco and ethical products, it makes it all the better. And there's that piece of education that I think is so vital to be that catalyst. We started doing runway shows um, that were, we called them lifestyle shows because they were more than just runway. They were doing, like, 24-7, everything you came into contact with. So it would be all teenagers. Walking with, you know, beginning of the show would be with sheets and towels to represent the morning and then with school supplies in the afternoon with, you know, different sports equipment in the evening and, you know, fancy dresses and, and how can you show everything in a better light? It becomes so fun um, and it's something that people talk about that they want to get involved in. It's a new currency of cool to up the ante. Now that
0: sounds fascinating. I wanted you also to talk about your own career. You've uh, not only are doing the Teams Turning Green, I know that you're a spokesperson for not only the ECHO movement, but some products. How did that happen?
1: Yeah, I started in this uh, this whole industry very young, um, the national <laughs> organics industry, and have become friends with many of these companies simply because I love their products, I respect their integrity, I stand by their missions. Um, a company like Nature's Path, which is the largest natural and organic breakfast company in the world, um, it's so aligned with who I am uh, as a student. So thinking about, you're still going to eat granola bars, mm-hmm. granola, toaster pastries, you know that's just sort of the tip of the iceberg. How can you make them organic, non-GMO, whole grain, yada yada yada? Nature's Past makes the most delicious treats on the face of the planet, and this was a perfect union because what do I want to eat myself? What do my peers want on campuses? Nature's fast. Um We actually we do a, an event called Project Green Challenge every year, which is a 30-day eco-lifestyle challenge, and. One girl um, won Nature's Path toaster pastries as a prize and went into her campus store and said, "You guys need to carry these to replace a you know a traditional version, which is you know frosted with artificially dyed pink disgustingness, whereas Nature's Path has these beautiful beet dyed or- organic sugar sprinkles." Yeah, you know, I got to go to their their factory and um, outside of uh, Milwaukee. It was so beautiful to be there, where everything's being made, and to see it done with such integrity. The family behind this company—they're fiercely independent. They so believe they walk the walk, and you know. So that's how these partnerships really come about. I I only stand for companies I love and use and eat myself. Um, Or you know, be it personal care we did in two thousand and. Eight, we launched um, 2007 or 2008, the Teens and Green Collection, co-branded with seven companies that we believed in in Whole Foods Markets all across the country. And the idea was that we had been being asked for years at that point, a few years, what products do I use? And we put out resources. The first two resources we compiled were the Dirty Thirty, which are the thirty most commonly found egregious chemicals to avoid in personal care and daily use cosmetics products, and the second were products we vetted for. Safety, sustainability, and efficacy, which is sort of my trifecta. Um, And we co-branded it and said, hey, here's some great stuff. Look on the shelves when you walk into a Whole Foods market. It's easy to become overwhelmed, especially as a young person. What works for my skin? What appeals to me? And it was great. It pointed people towards all of these brands that I love. I will point you towards anything that I think works. I don't care if I like it and it's good for the planet, it's good for your body, I'm going to talk about it. So a lot of those brands hear me talking. I do a lot of talking. I like sharing and get in touch.
0: Awesome. Now, you've been traveling, I hear, to over 40 countries. How is this movement internationally?
1: Over 60 countries, actually, at this point. Uh, Wow. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot. It's I Uh the global perspective is tremendous. I in in the US I do get um you know, you get the naysayers, you get the, the haters, um and pushback. They say that you know, it's an elitist movement, the environmental movement, whatnot. I've gone to places in this world where the environmental movement is an imperative and I think ultimately it's about reducing our consumption, reducing our resource usage. And that is accessible to everyone, and that benefits everyone. So the idea of using less and reusing what we already have. Um, an example is in Ghana. I lived in Accra um, and studied there for six months, and I was struck by the amount of plastic waste, uh, plastic water sachets all over the ground, littering. The city, and I thought, somebody's got to be doing something about this. And sure enough, Google search found that there was an expat there who had set up a company called Trashy Bags. And he was employing Ghanaians to go around, pick up these trashy bags. He was using reclaimed water to wash them, harnessing the power of the sun to dry them, and then having it stitched together into tote bags, backpacks, sports bags, and reselling them, both to a domestic and international market. And they collected over 10 million bags at that point, um, which was a few years ago. So I went to this man. I said, what are you doing around education? What are you doing with students? He said, nothing. This has to resonate with these kids. So I started going into middle schools and talking to students. And I would start really simply, hey, guys, so what do you drink water out of? And they see, you know, foreign Girl, probably aid worker coming in, asking us about how we drink. You know, oh, we drink water out of water sachets. They call it pure water. Pure water, pure water. And I said, oh, okay. Well, what do you do with them after? And you can tell that they've never been asked that question before. Mm-hmm. And they sort of looked at me with blank stares. And I said, well, do you ever see them Um, after you're done with them? They go, you see the wheels start to turn in their heads. And, mm-hmm. you know, one will say, oh. Well, I see them on the side of the road. Oh, they were in the gutter when my grandma's house flooded. Oh, I was at the beach and and waiting in the water, and they were all around me. And within seconds, at least two kids in every class would run out to the schoolyard and come back in with armfuls and want to know what they could do. How could they be a steward of the earth? How could they be a more active citizen? What were the action steps? And that's the response universally of young people. We understand our environment. This is where we live, work, and play. We have to protect it. What can you do? It's about activating those minds. So it doesn't matter if you're in California or if you're in Ghana or if you're in Haiti. I've done a tremendous amount of work in Haiti. If you're in Cambodia, I don't care. This response is universal and there are so many things that don't require additional research that don't require so much time don't require you know huge amounts of money to implement that are simple that are effective and that set these kids on a lifelong path of activism of
0: consciousness
1: stewardship bam I'm on my soapbox now (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) well what's the most eco-friendly country you've been to so far
1: the most eco-friendly country oof (laughs) <laughs> um, you know I, I search out sort of the best of eco everywhere I go. A lot of the Scandinavian countries are doing really incredible things um, <sighs> Costa Rica, you know they rely on eco tourism, so the environment there is is very, very important to them. Um, I've seen some really interesting work in Peru, specifically around agriculture. I don't know if I could pick one. You sort of search it out. I thought about making a world map and putting, you know, my favorite eco-destination services, et cetera, um, all around. I just got back from a speaking tour in Australia last week and I was incredibly impressed with the consciousness over there, sort of universally. They're, uh, I would say quasi-obsessed with their, their biodiversity. You know, rightfully so. They have an incredible ecosystem, and they want to protect it fiercely. Um, so it's it's really interesting to see the entry points for all of these countries into environmentalism, into
0: advocacy. Now, you have traveled all over, and I know that uh, you also have modeled and whatnot. And I want to talk to you about beauty and the eco-friendly ways. I love it. Believe me, I I I love to dress up and you know make up and do some wonderful things. What do you think that we could be doing for our natural beauty? Because you're talking about reducing and uh, you know reducing consumption and whatnot. What do you What are your attitudes toward beauty?
1: I think that beauty is an act of self expression, and you should be allowed to do and wear and look however. You want feeds your soul, makes you happy, fits your mood on any given day. So if that's really loud look, that's great. I just want you to use products that are good for your body and good for the planet. Amen. <laughs> so, like, you know, if you want to wear blue lipstick and purple eyeliner and sparkles, more power to you. Um, I think that we have to look for brands that don't contain, like, I was talking about this, journey 30, 30, you know, learn Become a conscious consumer, learn to read labels um, so many companies now you don't have to you know don't have to sacrifice beauty for health or health for beauty. You can have both, and how lucky are we that we exist um today in a world where that's possible so I you know we we point people I think Jane Iredale is one of the best color selections in the world. I used to be a Mac girl now I'm an Iredale girl um and anybody can be that, and you see. These women that come to our green spas, you know, moms, high school students—it doesn't matter. They're shocked. They look the same, but in Eco Beauty products, I think mm-hmm. in terms of body care, skin care, hair care. You know, my friends say, "Oh, well, the price point its so much more expensive." And I walk into their shower, and they have twelve products, and I go, "Darling, do you really need twelve products in your <laughs> shower?" Well, no. You can. There's no excuse or argument you can make to me. That you need twelve products in your shower. So how can you buy smarter? Um, I use Dr. Bronner's. David Bronner gives me such a hard time. You know, I "Girls like you don't use our soap." Dr. Bronner's Castile soap has eighteen uses: wash your hair, wash your teeth, wash your dog, mm-hmm. wash your floor, wash your car, wash your clothes. You can do anything with that. So, and you can dilute it twenty times. So ultimately, you're going to get bottles twenty times a size. So be smart, buy smart. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, you got to use less products. But, heck, amp up that volume, that color, that shine. You can have everything.
0: Yeah, I love Dr. Bronner's. I, I love the almond soap. I just use it for just about everything, if you mentioned, you know. Um, you're right in terms of the natural beauty, and you can also glam it up a bit with these products. But they're not as well publicized. What do you say to that? And what can Agreed. we do as consumers?
1: Hmm? Well, we vote with our dollar. So right. I've seen the accessibility of these products and the availability, the name recognition go up over the past eight years
0: through the roof. Right. It's
1: skyrocketed. You can find this stuff now at Sephora, at department stores, at drug stores. You know, I send people into my local, you know, CVS, Duane, Reed, Longs, or whatnot. And you can find it at not you know whatever your price point is, or you can go into parties and find it there, you know, at a high-end department store. Um, you can go into Pure Beauty, you know, to, you know, beauty specialty shops. Um, ultimately, you know, you're not going to see them taking out these massive pages in beauty magazines because the prices are prohibitive. Um, some of these companies have reached the point where they can, where they can start to do more of that mainstream advertising. But a,
0: a lot of it is
1: still confined to the April Green issues. So everybody, look out for your April Green issues of these magazines. will often, have great spreads on the beauty brands. There are tons of beauty blogs that do have um, that are all devoted to natural and organic. I really think that it takes a little bit more time, and that's sort of the legwork that we, as a nonprofit try to cut out for people to spoon-feed them options, to vet them beforehand. Because what I would say, you know, you're going to walk into your department store, you're going to try one brand. If you don't like it, you're going to try another brand, another brand, et cetera, until you find you know, the one that you're meant to use for the rest of your life, you think. Whatever. If you try one eco brand and it doesn't work. So you're going to be turned off from eco-products forever. So I really want people to try the best that there is out there because there is a comparable alternative to every single product on the market, 100% third
0: um, but you got to do a
1: little bit more um, research before Google. I'll tell you, we got it all at our fingertips. You can have it delivered to your door by tomorrow. And That's right. There are, re- <laughs> you know, there are retailers because I understand the importance of trying it before you buy it. You know, you want that sort of satisfaction. So it's, um, you know, I point people into into Whole Foods Markets. There's 300 and. 70-some odd stores now, but not everybody lives near a Whole Foods Market, but everybody lives near a drugstore that has a few products, everybody lives near a beauty supply store that has a few products. They are out there, I promise.
0: Wonderful. Now your Project Green Challenge for the high school and college uh, sector, uh, you're going all across the country right now. Tell us some of the activities that are going on and how can people get involved?
1: Sign up go to our website, teens or you can go to projectgreenchallenge.com which is a microsite. A few years ago, um, we were talking about how we can distill down our messaging yet amplify it out even further. We have so many different programs in beauty, in fashion, in school lunch, in cleaning, um, in, in janitorial on school campuses, in literally every aspect of, of one day. So how do you really organize that in a way that makes sense and how do you take it to the masses in a broader way. So we created Project Green Challenge, which is a 30-day eco-lifestyle challenge. And every day has a theme. So these are the different entry points. One will captivate you, if not more. And huh, do, do you hear this beautiful announcement going on behind me? Um, so everyone <laughs> will, will want to get involved, will be hooked. And then each day their challenge is green, greener, and greener. Um, different levels of engagement. So you might have an organic chemistry exam the next day. You can't go as deep. But the gardening challenge might pass you. The paper challenge might hook you. The alternative transportation one, the, you know, advocacy platform. Um, and then at the end of the 30 days, there's a final exam. There's a video recap. And people can apply to be in the challenge final. blue so we finalists. They come out to the Bay Area. For a, a eco Summit extravaganza boot camp uh, we call Green University. Green U with brilliant speakers in a TED Talk style format, they present their findings, build platforms for social action with strategists, consultants, green MBAs, and these kids go back as the most powerful change makers I have ever seen.
0: So yes, there are
1: thousands of people participating in the month. Um, but those those 14 are such incredible folks, people living, breathing this movement. Um, So we're on the road right now. We develop programs out of that. And we are going and visiting a lot of the campuses where we have critical mass um, and engagement and partnering with student groups on campus. The Conscious College Road Tour, we're taking our message to these campuses from Boulder to Illinois to Texas to Alabama, to Delaware. I mean, all, and, you know, California, obviously, where we are. Um, And we have a conscious information station. Our model is inspiration, education, action. So this this education element is so vital, and that's also a product demo. They can feel it. They can touch it. It becomes real. What is the best of eco-ethical, recycled, organic look like? And they learn. We have all sorts of cards and demos with facts and we talk to people. We have so much fun, and they get so excited. And all it takes is one fact that sticks with them, and they go home and change their lives and change their family and change their friends. Um, and then we're having these town meetings, bringing together different stakeholders, so representatives of all sorts of clubs on campus, you know, eco clubs, student government, gardening, sustainability, blah, 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 and uh, talking about how we can best synergize to change the world. It's been a ball, and it's only just begun. to last for the whole rest of this month.
0: Wonderful, now what's going on for you individually? Where are you going? Where will we be seeing you outside of the teens turning green?
1: Well, I am contrary to popular belief, still a student. I'm an undergrad uh, at New York University, and I will be graduating this May. so this is a very
0: Amen. Exciting, <laughs> so
1: thank you um pivotal moment in my life. um you know, I've been a student and I've done all of this while. You know, I'll be a student of the world for the rest of my life, but, you know, while being formally, you know, in formal academic setting. Um, in the past, oh, well, I'm, I'm 21, so I'm a, I don't know what, since I was five years old. Um, I have started in the past years doing a lot more consultancy, corporate consultancy around millennials' tendencies towards sustainability, my generation, digital consumption, um, fascinates me. This is what I know, and this is, an emerging demographic that is very important to, you know, very large corporations and small companies alike. So I've gotten a chance to team up. I'm working on a, a ton of really exciting um, projects and programs. Um, I, I'm speaking a lot. I I love spreading this message. I just got back, like I said, from Australia. Um and I talk at everything from middle schools to beauty expos to boardrooms to youth conferences. You know, it really runs the whole gamut because my message is, is sticky and there's a lot of different touch points. So I love what I get to do. I feel blessed to wake up every day and to feel so inspired. Um, yeah, so what's, what's next down the road? There's a whole, there's a whole bunch of things. Stay tuned. <laughs>
0: Amen. This has been great. Now, if we want to reach Teens Turning Green and you, give us the websites and all the info we need to know.
1: Yeah. So, Teens Turning Green, TeensTurningGreen.org. Follow us on um, Twitter. We're at Teens Turn Green. On Facebook, we're Teens Turning Green. Like us there. We uh we're tweeting a lot from the road and posting some Facebook updates. There's fun photos and. What not, um, I, if you want to find out more about me? Google search does a lot. Uh, you can go to <laughs> ErinTrody.com. Follow me on Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter. I think it's an incredible medium to engage in conversation with everyone in every corner of the world and to really share information, aggregate news, get the word out, talk about, you know, I, I, I travel a lot. I, I'm a total foodie. I, I love you know, fashion, I'm an education enthusiast, you know, but it all comes through this eco-ethical bend. So, yeah, I'm at Erin Schrode, E-R-I-N-S-T-H-R-O-D-E, and talk to me. I'm very open to engagement. I love, I just, I, I love this movement. I believe in it. I'm an eternal optimist, and I see the path to a better world through, through action and through collaboration.
0: Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. This has been great.